All right, we are live with episode number 413 of the one and only Sean Sports Stop podcast. I'm joined once again by the one and only Shaggy. How we doing? How we feeling? Feeling fantastic. We love to hear that as always. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Shaggy is our MLB and NFL expert. Currently, I would say associate level when it comes to NHL and perhaps NBA as well, but definitely expert level on MLB and NFL and especially swimming. For that. So, so yeah. So with that said, um, it's NFL and MLB season. The World Series just ended. We talked about that. Shout out to the rain. Actually, I don't think we we have not done a podcast together since the Rangers won the World Series. So let's talk about that. Shout out to them. I mean, you know. Well, I, last time last time we were together was uh, when the Rangers were still in the hunt for the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, right after it was right after they they fucking sent the Trastros home crying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. I mean, but I mean, let's be honest. We. I don't know about you, but I mean, for the sake of your prediction and stuff, but it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. I think to most people that the Rangers would take care of the D-backs. The question was, what would it be four or five games or six or seven? Damn, bro. Weren't they like 11 in a row of awaiting this W? Yeah. Yeah. 11 and 0 on the road. I mean, absolutely like, unreal. Just unreal. Just, um, you know, I haven't seen this level of dominance in a postseason in one of the four major sports since the 2012 LA Kings. I mean, um, as far as, I mean, the Kings were a different team at that time. You know, they were kind of a nobody and they barely made the playoffs, kind of like the D-backs. But what the Kings did in that year's playoffs was they, as number eight seed, so in a playoff format where the eight seed plays the one seed, the seven seed plays two, three plays six, and four plays five, Kings were the eight seed playing the number one seed president trophy winning Vancouver Canucks, meaning they won the most games in the NHL that year. Ridiculous. The Kings, waxed, the Kings waxed them in five games, no problem, as the eight seed waxed them easily. Then you have the St. Louis Blues, who, again, are obviously a higher seed since the, since the Kings were the lowest seed. The St. Louis Blues, the Kings sweep that ass, no problem. Sweep <laughs> 4-0. Then in the conference finals, you have a, a rivalry matchup with, the at the time, Phoenix Coyotes. They're now the Arizona Coyotes, gay as hell. But they... Um, they were a top team, too, much higher seeded than the Kings. Kings waxed them into five games, four to one. And then in the Stanley Cup final, you have the New Jersey Devils. This was the longest series of the playoffs. It went six games with the Kings winning six to one in game six at home. I was there. What a night it was, June 11th, 2012. Unbelievable. But I say all of that to say this year really reminds me of that year's Kings team, the 2012 Kings team, where they just – completely dominated anything and everything in their path in the postseason without regard for who it was. Other than versus the Houston Astros, that went seven games. But still, I mean, even when they were down 3-2, I just I, – I kind of always knew the Raiders would win that series, that they would find a way to win. And I don't know. Damn. I think from, from the Valid. beginning, from, from th- through the regular season and the playoffs and after their ser- series, even though it was seven games – I think the Texas Rangers proved to be clearly a step, a notch better than the Houston Astros this season. Like, I don't think there was any debate about that. Um, you know, especially with the Astros losing some of their starting pitching. Like, oh, no, 100% agree with that. Their, yeah. their pitching staff just kind of ended after uh, last season's victory, you know, with uh, Berlander 
securing yeah. your Cy Young victory for the third time, you know. But yeah, agreed. They got him back and they uh, <laughs> took the L with him, carried it with him home. Yeah, well, um, at least yeah. So that kid up and ain't happy with shout that. Shout out to the Rangers. So shout out to Corey Seager. Uh, who was it? I forgot who it was, but it was two other guys. One of them was Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. So Corey Seager joins them as uh, the only postseason MVPs of two no, leagues, the, right? Yeah, the only the only player to win the World Series MVP in the American League and the National League. Uh, that's a pretty. I, crazy I thought thing he is the only one. Oh, no, Reggie Jackson did it. Another guy did it, but Seager uh, also joins some other. Um, all-time name. Exclusive group. Yeah, such as Sandy Koufax, who won multiple World Series MVPs. And also uh, that – I forgot his name, but the um, guy that – he matched the home run record of postseason uh, home runs. Or actually, wait, no, World Series home – no, postseason home runs. My apologies. Uh, of 19. Yeah, it might have been Derek Jeter. I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Because the postseason home run leader is the one and only – Forget his name. <laughs> oh, um, I forgot his name. Yeah. Yo. No, but let's um. Yeah, so well, I'll get the back. Rangers. We have more baseball to talk about later, but for now, let's transition to some NFL. Um. So we're gonna play a game. I so shout out to my guy Mookie Betts. I mean, I I'm a big fan. Uh, even though he's really been kind of shitting the bed in the playoffs, but it's okay. I'm still we're still big fans of Mookie. And um, I think he does a great job with his podcast with Bleacher Report. And I like this little segment that he does called On Base, Off Base. And uh, I'm going to rip him off right here. So we're going to do that. We're going to play On Base, Off Base. Oh, yeah. Without Mookie, hopefully one day we can do it with Mookie. But for now, without Mookie, On Base, Off Base. So I'm going to give you like an opinion, a take on every NFL team. And you're basically going to tell me if you're on base or off base, essentially, if you're, like, disagreeing. So that's what we're going to do. For sure. So starting off with the Buffalo Bills. So they find themselves fighting just to make the playoffs. That's the prediction. Uh, And here is the opinion. Buffalo simply has too many Mm -hmm. issues on both sides of the ball. And some light deadline action, possible trades, isn't enough to change that. Critically, the schedule is hell... Uh, sorry, critically, the schedule is tough in a strong division. Very, very and tough. Conference. Uh, this team still has to play, get this, the Bills still have to play the Bengals, Eagles, Chiefs, Chargers, and Dolphins on the road. So, so they play the Bengals. So the Eagles, Chiefs, Chargers, Dolphins on the road. And there are no easy outs remaining at home either. So they have a tough schedule. And I don't know. It is one of the hardest schedules for sure. Yeah. In uh, terms so of running backs, I should say. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Next one isn't very bold with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, was going to break the single season receiving yards record. I mean, this is no question. Two thousand yards even before yeah, week sixteen. Let's get it. <laughs> he's the first. He's the first player in fifty-two years to go over a thousand yards eight games into a season, and he's on pace for two thousand one hundred fifty-four. That Calvin Johnson Megatron's record of one thousand nine hundred sixty-four from twenty twelve. It also helps that for what it's worth. Um, Tyreek and definitely has his eyes set on doing so. <laughs> not not standing so, alone I, though. He's got two uh, to throw to him, you know. Well, yeah, two I mean, to Tyreek, best it's, dynamic duo. It's nasty. It's nasty. 
All right, the Patriots, um, I think they're going to end up at some point benching Mac Jones, and not just for some garbage time situations, but for multiple starts. And not just because Jones continues to fall short of expectations, but also because he's simply lacking support. Eventually, Bill Belichick will realize that playing Mac Jones is doing more harm than good. Then the question will be what Bailey Zapp has in him. I mean, I don't even know. Um, yeah. So I don't know what you think on Mac Jones. I think we can just skip over this. It's like it's whatever. Like Bailey right. Zappy, huh? Bailey Zappy. He is a nobody. Who's that third string QB that they got? I forget, but because uh, he's only he's only made one start. Yeah. Let's talk about the, uh, the Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Wait, wait, wait! But I actually wanted to go back on. Um, it's actually you mentioned it in the beginning. Of- um, in the beginning, you said or you mentioned that uh, a certain team was, you know, absolutely dominant, like the Rangers, right? Yeah. Well, my take on that are... actually would be the the Pats with Brady having a sixteen and zero season, or and then just yeah, blowing they it. They lost the Super Bowl. They lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, an unfortunate circumstance with a helmet catch, <laughs> and of course you got a Manning. Oh, my goodness, what a game that was. But I still think that season as a whole, in terms of the regular season and yeah, also the preseason, sure. was one of the most dominant performances in history, as yeah, well as yeah. the 1985 Bears. I mean, you can't argue. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, so let's, we talked about him off the air a little while ago. Uh, despite how fun it is to speculate, I don't think – I do not think Aaron Rodgers will play in the NFL again this season. Again, it's it's fun to Regular. consider the possibility, but the task seems far too tall, <laughs> even if the Jets remain in contention, which in itself is a question mark as well. The key, though, is that a 2023 Rodgers return eventually won't make sense because the Jets are unlikely to remain in the playoff hunt. That's what it comes down to. Um, right. They're lucky to be – I mean, what are they, 4-4 four and four now after losing? They're going to lose to the Chargers, right? If they didn't yes, know they're they're getting fucking blown apart right now. It's a bit yeah, so they're, so they're going to be 4-4. Uh, and after the Chargers, they they play the Raiders on the road, and then the Bills and Dolphins. So that's at least two losses there, possibly three. So I, I just I, I think it's gonna get. I really don't know what that. Get away from them, and it, it won't be a matter of Aaron Rodgers not being able to return in a potential Week 18 or playoff game. Oh, he wants to. The Jets will lose too many games. And um, again, despite their unbelievable defense, their offense is too lackluster. Zach Wilson is not as bad as people make him out to be. But he's also not good enough to, you know, propel the Jets to the playoffs. Right. So, so it's tough. If, if the Jets had a QB like, say, a Joshua Dobbs, it's a different story. You see, I have a different take to that, though, because the defense is truly elite. And when the, both teams com- – just so both sides can combine for complementary football with the, with the running back, Reese Hall, being as elite as he can be with the highest ceiling possible from the backfield. And – Zach Wilson finding just one or two, maybe three, closer to four, of course, <laughs> passes to the other, say, well, said Wilson, um, who, who arguably could have been the best wide receiver in fantasy football, hands down. He's a claim to be a wide receiver, too, in fantasy football, and he's getting, like, barely any production. Like, if you're telling me you could, you could have had an Aaron Rodgers toss him dimes into the end zone, we could have seen, 
just unthinkable situations happen. Oh, you know, yeah, Lazard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it would have been fun to watch for sure. Let's uh, let's go to the AFC North now. Starting off with the Baltimore Ravens, I oh, think yeah. that I think that the Ravens. Um, you know, I we used to both kind of um, not hate on, but fade them. Yeah, we used to kind of hate yeah. on Lamar Jackson, and he, I think right. he's proven both of us wrong quite a bit this season. I agree. Um, and I think because of that, Baltimore will be challenging for the top seed, the number one seed in the AFC. I'm not saying they're a lock to win it, but they will be right there. I mean, oh, there's play, no question. They play uh, Jacksonville in Miami in the final month of the season, and both mm-hmm. teams, along with the Ravens, are all six and two right now. Um, but in my opinion, the Jaguars simply the Jags. As much as I want want to see them win. They simply don't have the top to bottom talent that the Ravens possess. I don't and, know. Hey, I'm not finished. And the Dolphins, the Dolphins are, have just been not good against good teams. I mean, they're th- they're three and zero against bad teams yeah. and zero and three against with a winning record. So they haven't given us you know reason to believe that they can beat a Ravens team like this one. Um, so yeah, so if the Ravens win, I mean, if they win both of those games against the top. Uh, Florida contenders, then they're definitely going to be the one seed. I mean, almost certainly. Um, next up, we got the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they make the playoffs. I mean, they started off slow. That wouldn't exactly have been a bold call at the beginning of the season, but they again, they started off one and three, and they they're still in last Crown place in the AFC North. Um, or maybe they not they might not be now, but they obviously beat the Bills. Still, Joey B. looks like he's over his calf injury. Uh, he has like a 115 passer rating, so oh, he's yeah. great. Um, this one, as much as I, Deshaun Watson will be able to do enough to help them uh, make the playoffs. With with Amari Cooper's versatility and ability yeah. to catch targets Kareem that are absolutely impossible to catch. Yeah. yeah. You have the Jets fading, the Bills in trouble, and the AFC South full of tumbleweed. The AFC North sends three teams to the postseason. But Watson <laughs> is too good to not have some strong moments upon his return from a shoulder injury. Oh, and yeah. Obviously, the Browns' defense is unbelievable. So, I think they'll be able to make the playoffs. I think they are quietly going to sneak in based off – well, not quietly because their defense has been absolutely just remarkable this season. You know, what Miles Garrett can put up. As simply like single handedly can just alter the entire outcome of the game. Simple. Very true. Like that's that's how it works. You know, we got Aaron Donald on the Rams making fucking yeah. moves, getting triple, double team, whatever you want. Yeah, we still lose, but you making definitely an impact. From yeah, a forty to speaking. nothing game to a twenty to what? What was it? <laughs> twenty yeah. to six, twenty to three. Yeah, speaking speaking oh, of uh, speaking of defensive players that can change the game single handedly. You got TJ Watt with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and my prediction for them is that they avoid a losing record for the 20th season in a row. That is very impressive. Um, Mike Tomlin. Yep. Nine wins would not be enough to get to the playoffs in the AFC, but the Steelers should again uh, be good for it despite their struggles this season on both sides of the ball. The defense is still getting on track, and that should be exacerbated by the return of standout defensive lineman Cameron Hayward. That is (laughs) getting Mike Tomlin's team in the mix. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, they, all they play is Steelers football. They always call that. You know, they they work their games through the defense. They got no offensive fucking football. No, none of that. And yeah. 
what are you are you literally putting money on Najee Harris to do something? Dude, that guy is so inefficient, and they consistently keep him as the wide receiver one, or I'm sorry, running back one. Sorry. Um, and then Jalen Warren is just sitting there in the backfield, obviously getting some sort of production, but he's clearly, yeah. clearly miles away more efficient, and he's just underused. Yeah, I mean, bro, I remember the Steelers. The Steelers used to be such a fun team when they had um, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and bro. Lady Lady bro. and then Juju Smith-Schuster. It's just in the Juju Smith-Schuster row in slots, sometimes in down, down deep passes, man. No, but, dude, Antonio Brown in his prime, Le'Veon Bell in his prime, man, that was an insane team. No, it was, it was ridiculous. That, that, was, that was that Super Bowl caliber team. I mean that yeah. we all we all knew as the families were, but they're, they're not. They're far from that. Yeah, so the, but the thing with them is they're still pretty good somehow. They stay like <sighs> they get. Dude, I'm sorry. It eleven and zero season they had a few years ago where they just bro, got that, fucking okay, lazy, bro. That was the biggest BS of all time. Like I, I, I mean, but that's Steelers football for you. I remember telling no you like, that that's production. the worst eleven. No, no, they're legit. Yeah, right. Well, at that point, I wasn't really like a football kind of guy. You know, I'm, I'm more nah, into nah, I'm nah, more no, excuses now. Don't make excuses now, buddy. No, no, it's true. I was saying that, but I also wasn't doing all the stuff no, I'm doing. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what the fuck is that? Let's transition to the AFC South. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, the Texans, obviously, C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, and Tank Dell are a lot of fun to watch. They might make the playoffs. Who knows? That's not a might. It's yeah, uh, how many will. wins are they going to get for the rest of the season? Yep, yep. So they're Tank Dell is no <laughs> doubt or top Dang six money. quarterback, top eight, Dang and you must start in fantasy 100%. Like, Do you remember when the Houston Texans won a meaningless game nope. to end last season? Damn. <laughs> I said that yesterday, last night, when Tank bro, Dell had this 41 bro, bomb. You realize production. that if, if they did not get that touchdown and win that meaningless game, they would have drafted Bryce Young instead of C.J. Stroud. And would have been another L. Yep. And Let, I honestly right, think that, that, that C.J. Stroud would be just a wasteland on the do it, Look, do it right. What do you think? What? Well, uh, what do you think about C.J. Stroud being on the Panthers? I think he's nowhere near as good as he is on the Texans right now. I don't know, bro. Like, would be. Dude, I'm sorry. Dude, like, all due respect, C.J. Stroud to Adam Thielen would go crazy. It would go crazy. Oh, my goodness. I actually think it wouldn't even bro. be Adam Thielen who would be catching those targets. I actually think it would be my man Banks. Oh, for sure. Banks, like, bro. Get, get he's some, so over <laughs> and Chuba Hubbard, bro. Give him some targets, bro. Bryce Young is just too much of a rookie learning quarterback. I mean, he needs – he needed sort of a season where he sits on the bench and just learns, you know? CJ Stroud's one of those ready-made Pat Mahomes point blank, let's get it, let's start running. Yeah. That guy is absolutely remarkable. He broke the rookie record of yardage in a single game with 470 passing yards. Like, Wow. And he tied, I think, Pat Mahomes along with other, you know, familiar names with um, touchdowns, receiving touchdowns. Yeah. I'm sorry, passing touchdowns with five. It's just, wow. All what right, let's, uh, let's talk about um, 
the Jaguars. I mean, they're enjoying a nice winning streak, but it's still hard to take them, you know, fully seriously for me. They're riding a, they're riding a defensive takeaway party that seems unsustainable, and the schedule is about to toughen up for them for sure. I mean, they're. Um, I'll tell you what's unsustainable: ETN's touchdowns. Yeah, for he sure, is but, truly but, remarkable. Okay, hundred percent. But they have the 49ers, Bengals, and Ravens coming up, so that's tough. Exactly. Possibly zero and three for them. And I I disagree. The 49ers are struggling to get a single win right now with Brock Purdy no, having. No, 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 no. You're changing your tune on Purdy. You're changing the narrative, but that's besides the point. The fact. Oh no! That, People saying it's back in. Purdy, fact, Purdy's getting his one-way ticket to a W. The easy. fact of the matter is that the 49ers will beat the Jaguars. I disagree. I there disagree. is no doubt about that. I Thank promise you, the 49ers wax the Jaguars. Like, <laughs> bro, they I, have I, to. Like, I mean, they have to. They will. But I just, I really do think it's going to be a good game to watch. Possibly yeah, high school. I don't know. I think it's going to be something along the lines of like 33 to 16 for the 49ers. That's fairly, that's still fairly high scoring, actually. Well, yeah, but it's, a, it's <laughs> dominant, bro. Like, they're going to no, fight yeah. over 15 points, over 15. That's my prediction. I see that. That's my uh, you prediction. know what? I then, like it. Then what else? You know, like seventeen Bengals, to thirty-three. I like it. Jags. The Jaguars against the Bengals and Ravens. Those are a lot closer, in my opinion. Those are like three-point swings in either direction. I think it's going to be really hard for the Bengals to contain ETN's versatility in in pass rush. That's true. Ability. But how are the bank? How are the Jaguars going to contain Joe Shiesty to Jamar Chase? Ah. Good point. <laughs> I mean, they, so I think I, I think that's a shootout. Numbers. It's a shootout of a game. It's going to be like forty to thirty for the winner. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be that hot. No, no, you're I don't. tripping. You tripping, Jamar? Chase, I just think the Jaguars Jamar, defense listen, is a little bit stepped right on. I'm telling you right now, Jamar Chase is going to get like a hundred, three touchdowns yards, and two hundred and seventy yards. Touch, yeah, like hundred twenty yards, a couple touchdowns. Etienne's getting at least one touchdown, maybe two. So. But, yeah, so I think the Jaguars pretty obviously win this weak division. I mean, they're, they're you know, the, you got the Titans, Colts, and Texans in there. So unless the Texans can give them a run, maybe. But I think the Jaguars are a step the Texans right now. Like, the Texans right now are what the Jaguars were last season. You know what I mean? They are. I mean, listen, the Texans are a very young team, and they do have the – ability to make it far with this very fresh and young team healthy team you know tank dell is remarkable you got nico collins who's showing that he's got he's got what it takes you got uh schultz man he's becoming so relevant i mean that there's no reason why Dak prescott loved him yeah okay so with that simple with that let's uh continue on to the afc west starting off with the let him cook denver broncos broncos country Let's run. So I think, you know, despite L, despite laughing at them and stuff, I think they'll make a nice little push in the second. Be enough to make the playoffs. No, I mean, they I, won't I, make will, the I will continue my laughter because that team is laughable. <laughs> that team I mean, has look, nothing. Listen, listen, bro. They, they, they really kind of turned heads when they beat the Chiefs, you know, on the road before a bye, before they had a bye in week nine. And for what it's worth, Russell Wilson is the league's fourth highest rated qualified passer. But it's going to I be agree. a little too late for a last place team that still has to travel to Buffalo, Detroit, and the Chargers. So far, the Chargers. Um, so it's just too much. 
Uh, now let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. I think, I mean, you, you might disagree, but I think Patrick Mahomes is going to finish with the worst season of his career on paper. Uh, and excluding a rookie campaign in which he threw 35 passes, the support just isn't quite there. And bringing back McCall, the Chiefs will likely still win the AFC. I mean, I don't know if that's likely. They'll, they'll definitely make the playoffs and obviously are probably the favorites to win the AFC. They'll be cheated their way into the world, but, but into the fucking the, no. The Chiefs are not world championship. The they're not making the Super Bowl. There's no way they make. You, the th- you think they're going to be taken out of the AFC Championship game against uh, what are we the, talking about? Maybe, the Bengals again. Maybe, back? Listen, maybe even the divisional round is possible. They're they're just not. The Chiefs are exactly like the Astros this year. Like they're they're not what they used to be. They're they're a step. What they used to be. I just, like, I they, just they might that... get back. They might get back to where they were, but as of now, they're not. They're not the Chiefs of 2022. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's what Mahomes' seventh season, right? Mahomes' seventh season, and he kind of has. They probably the entire team has sort of the the Super Bowl blue, you know. Of it should be only the first few weeks, but it's been carrying over. And yeah, he's had a remarkable game. Uh, what was it last start or a start before last? Um, where he just threw for. 400 and whatever yards against the Chargers, giving up whoever, whatever amount of points to Kelsey. You know, Kelsey had a career game. But um, – and people people just understand that Kelsey is that guy. He's him. But because yeah. everyone's going to be on Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, bro. Rasheed Rice is a pickup, man. Like, that guy is – he's been he's been great. He's been a great pickup by the, by the team, honestly. By staff, they 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 done well. They done good. Most definitely. Uh, now let's oh, yeah. let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. They're always fun. My prediction: oh. is Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G will not start another game for them. New head coach Antonio Pierce came across pretty emphatic in declaring that the Raiders are turning things over to rookie fourth round pick Aiden O'Connell, and the new regime likely knows this season is a lost cause. Um, it might not you know, be who, know. who knows if they go in a little winning streak here with O'Connell? Why not? Josh give Jacobs could really wake up. Josh Jacob, you still got Devonta Adams. You got Max Crosby going crazy on the other side of the ball. Um, True, Max Crosby is that is him. He's top five, no doubt. Bro, top probably top three. Hundred percent. But why not give O'Connell an extended run to prove whether he can be the guy? You never know. I mean, look at Brock Purdy. Look at all these guys that you know take the ball and run when with take the ball and run with it when given the opportunity to do so. Um, I'll tell you one thing. The worst case, I mean, look. The, la- yeah. the last thing I want to say on the Raiders: the worst case, O'Connell bombs, and you're in you're in better shape for the 2024 NFL draft than you would be if you had Jimmy G starting and doing. Yeah, I, I mean Jimmy G is absolutely atrocious, and I, I've known Yee. that before, and Yee. I called that before. Yee. 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 It's not him. Jimmy G. He doesn't have Debo <laughs> to give him the yardage. Uh, he doesn't have fucking talented a uh, tight end like you know. Fucking kettle, you know, tea kettle. But, like, listen, you got Josh Jacobs, and you were versing a Giants defense that has been actually very good the past few weeks in defending the rush. And Josh Jacobs just put up a pretty nice uh, fantasy, I guess, point production with – I'm not sure if he scored a t- – I mean, he scored over 20 points, so that says a lot with what he could possibly do later on in the season. Rest of the season. Josh Jacobs could make a nice little comeback from his last season's, you know, rush paddle, you know, the rusher leader. Yeah, for sure. Might make a comeback. He's him. Yeah. 
Um, so, lastly, in the AFC West, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. My prediction for them is... What about the Rams? Later. My prediction, <laughs> my prediction uh, for the Chargers is that they are unpredictable. I mean... Agreed. It, bro, it's, it's literally their modus operandi. Couple losses, couple wins, couple losses, couple wins. A collapse every few weeks mixed in with some absolute gems from Justin Herbert and the offense. So Especially I don't have a prediction start for the, with Herbert. I don't have a prediction for the Chargers. Um, we'll see. I mean, you can't. You know, they don't have a rivalry with the Rams, um, mostly because LA is a failure. Yeah. Football city. But, <laughs> okay. Especially since they're in a different league in time. I just, I agree with you with their unpredictability. I mean, one week their defense with their rookie um, O line or or you know, I'm sorry, not not O line, but I forgot that guy that had like that five sack game. It was already ages ago, but it's like you you can have a guy like that in one game, and all of a sudden next game you can give a 430 some passing yards to someone like Pat Mahomes. Like it's just so it's a flip of a coin. Fact. Yeah. So literally, flip, flip of a coin. All right. <laughs> sure. let's, uh, let's go to the NFC now, starting off with the NFC East and the Dallas Cowboys. This is an interesting one. The Cowboys. How about the them? Cowboys. Cowboys. So I believe this might be a bold prediction. Let's hear it. For, for some point this season, there will be a, a quarterback controversy in Dallas um, because Dak Prescott is good. But he, he's extremely inconsistent. We know that. He's, he's not extremely him. inconsistent. And I think, you know, they just had a tough, tough loss against the Eagles. And they still have to play the Bills, Dolphins, and Lions in a four-week span in December, which is so tough. And you got Trey Lance and Cooper Rush, you know, waiting. They're salivating. They want to play. So, uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. It's possible. I've done, my I've, done my, I've done my digging of research and stuff. Jake Ferguson, the tight end that – Press Cotty, you know, whatever you call him, Scotty loves. <laughs> like, he loves his tight ends. And the teams that he's about to verse in terms of Ferguson matchups with the team's defense against tight ends is quite literally elite. Yeah. Especially Jake Ferguson, who has been producing the last few weeks with 20-plus games. Like, he's been remarkable because he's, he's an easy touchdown scorer at least once a game. He's almost like, I mean, CMC. I mean, no one's like that. No one's like that animal. But like, uh, Prescott loves his tight ends, and also CD Lamb. I've known this because I've looked at the, you know, the schedules prior weeks ago, when CD Lamb was just a lost cause completely. He was not targeted. Uh, they were focusing on Pollard's rush game and pass game, and now he's been absolute fucking dog shit. And, uh, efficient, even with his mountain supply of uh, usage, he's been garbage. So, C.D. Lamb, man, Jake Ferguson, C.D. Lamb, that's who we're going to be seeing. And a lot of interceptions by a good old boy. How about them Cowboys? All right. Uh, the New York Giants, I mean, my prediction actually was going to be that Daniel Jones would wake up and figure it out. but Me too. He uh, unfortunately <laughs> tore his ACL. Um, so v- very unfortunate for him, obviously, for the Giants, for the Giants fans. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So I don't really have a prediction for them. Their season is obviously a loss. Um, oh, it's done. So, I feel bad for Barkley, yeah, man. Feel, they signed to that one-year deal. I feel, bad for, I feel bad for Brian Dable, the coach, for the fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so next up, with, the Eagles. With actually the, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. With the remarkable defense they have, they really do have a defense. They do, yeah. Especially in the run. And uh, it's just completely lost cause. Next up, the Eagles. I mean, they're pretty much polar opposite. Wait, wait, John, John. Polar... Might as well have Saquon also pass. Yeah, yeah. Like Taysom Hill, is there? <laughs> now the Eagles, now the Eagles. Um, yes, sir. They're pretty much polar opposites of the Giants right now as far as where they're at. You know, coming off a Super Bowl appearance and now being the top team in the NFL. Um, so my they're not like this, Kansas City. As, as much as I don't really like him, for, you know, I, I don't really like him, I'll be honest, but I think Jalen Hurts will win the NFL MVP award. Patrick Mahomes is way off his game right now, and with that, only Tua Tagovailoa has better odds than Jalen Hurts right now. Um, but both he and fellow prime candidate Lamar Jackson have oh, yeah. spotty his have spotty uh history with injuries. And it's also it's also possible that Tyree Kill, with how good he's been, as we just talked about, uh, he can potentially cost Tua some votes in Miami, hundred percent. I um, mean, if Tua is out, Tyreek is out. No, That's no, no. It. But, but, but but so Jalen Hurts though he's getting it done for the league's top team in terms of wins and losses, and I just don't see that changing with the, like the Eagles are to me are proving to be what the 49ers were advertised a few weeks ago. Like I think that's what the Eagles actually are. And that's a huge thing for me to say because last year I thought the Eagles were complete. Yeah, complete boneheads like the Steelers 11-0 season. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, but, I mean, Jalen Hurts, you know, obviously he runs the ball as good as anyone, maybe not named Lamar Jackson. But he has, a he has like, a 125 QBR. So, yeah, listen. Well, again, as I said, only Tua has better odds because Mahomes is just not – the same as he usually is, as we talked about. So if only two has better odds, but he's always a, a risk of getting injured. But then on top of that, Cushion with, Tyree, yeah. with Tyreek Hill likely getting over 2,000 receiving yards, he's definitely going to steal some MVP of votes away from Tua. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. But listen, if Tua gets injured, like I said, like it, it, it relates to last year, last season. Tua got two concussions, or he was out twice during the season. And during those times, Tyreek was practically irrelevant in terms of, like, he was only a flex option yep. kind of player, wide receiver three. He that's was not targeted. So it's two to Tyreek. That's that's the way to go. you got to have a guy that can sling it on target with knowing how your guy, how your man runs. 100%. Yeah, that's two. Speaking of slinging, let's talk about uh, the slinger in Washington, Sam Howell. I mean, oh damn, this guy! What a, re- what what a revelation he has been. He has, yes, there's plenty of room for him to improve. But in the past five weeks, he's thrown ten touchdown passes to only three interceptions and has a 97.7 passer rating. The trajectory is extremely promising. The upside is definitely there. The three and five commanders might have essentially thrown in the towel at the deadline by trading away Chase Young and. That other uh, guy to the um, Bears, but Sam Howell has a chance yeah, to, 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 to take a lot from this season. I think he's, you know, he's outstanding. A lot of people, and I think ultimately Sam Howell is is going to be at uh, with the Washington Commanders. You know, he's actually um, proving my point 
and now I'm feeling like an idiot because I dropped him. But Josh, or I'm sorry, um, Jahan Dotson, man, like we, I've always known that he's awaiting a just a remarkable jump in his uh, fantasy production in terms of just like more touchdowns. He has the targets. Now he has no one to compete with besides Scary Terry, and Scary Terry weirdly is not getting catches because all his targets are under tons of pressure, tons of coverage. I don't know, man, but Jahan Dotson is now proving to be a pretty good fantasy pickup, in my opinion. 100%. I know I'm talking about fantasy a lot, but I, I relate to it. You yeah. know, it, it, no, no. it correlates completely. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to starting our own, uh, our separate podcast together where we talk about fantasy football, fantasy sports, and the sports betting side of things, the picks, the props, the odds, money lines, spreads, all that stuff. That's going to oh, be a lot of fun. I I would definitely be down for that. But actually, another thing to add, he uh, is a tight end that just woke up from the ashes, woke up from nowhere. The tight end that was tight end two is now Thomas producing very low uh, after this game, but was producing a lot last week with like a crazy game with like 25 points in that fantasy or whatever. Yeah. But the, the Trey McBride, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I see a lot in it, too. Let's, let's transition to the NFC North now. Uh, starting off with the <laughs> Chicago Bears, I believe that um, – Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, I believe that they fired <laughs> Matt Eberflus. He's 5-20 and 20 as Chicago's head coach and in what was supposed to be a big improvement season. This year, his defense <laughs> – and keep in mind, he's a defensive expert – ranks 28. Three of Chicago's next four games are on the road before a buy in week 13. If they enter that week with just two or um, I think Eberflus is, you know, definitely getting fired. You better. But yeah. that, team, that team just has no hope, man. That team's yeah, just atrocious. It has not, it has not been on the map since 1985, bro. Let's not waste any time talking about them. Let's talk about the <laughs> who are a very fun team. I agree. Uh, with- Jared Goff, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Oh, yeah. Florida. I mean, David Montgomery, what a great team they have over there. And now they and, got DPJ. Um, DPJ. I think it's pretty in obvious the that they, they run away with their first division title in 30 years. Not exactly going out on a limb here, but when you're a team mired in this kind of drought, it's still worth stating to drive home the point. The key is it's not even going to be close in the NFC North. The Lions have clearly learned how to win. And oh, yeah. how to bounce back based on their easy victory over Las Vegas following a dud in Baltimore two weeks ago, which we <laughs> talked about. Remember, I remember we talked we, we were talking right after they got waxed by the Ravens. Right. Means um, nothing. Of course, it helps that the Vikings, Packers and Bears have essentially packed it, packed it into various degrees. I mean, that's not much of a competition, mm-hmm. uh, but shout out to the Lions. I mean, they should have made the playoffs last year. Uh, they started yeah, out the season with a statement, you know, winning uh, the first game of the season in Kansas City at oh, Arrowhead. Yeah. That was a huge statement that set, the tone for, that, that set the tone for them this season, and they haven't looked back since. You know, again, that loss in Baltimore, but they they bounced back by destroying the Raiders, and uh, they're flying now. The Lions it's valid. It's valid. But, but Sam Laporta, my guy, Sam Laporta is proving to be an absolute steal in the draft. No for doubt being, about it. This Good of a tight end as a rookie? Where do you fucking see that? Never. A rookie tight end, instant production from week one. I know Jared Goff loves his tight ends, and we sort of kind of assume that based off of Jared Goff's and, you know, Everett in, on the Rams in 2018. And then you also got Hawkinson, 
before he was traded to the Vikings, you know, his usage would go off. But now you got Sam Laporta. Wow. He's he's a yards after carry yeah. or yards after catch. No doubt. Um let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. I think you would consider this a bold prediction. Um, especially considering that we were looking at him as a potential fantasy option. I think Jordan no. Love gets benched. They's uh, a joke. They's a joke. Jordan Love is the league's fifth lowest rated qualified passer in his first full season as a starter for a team that is now three and five after getting lucky against the Rams. I mean, if Matthew Stafford or any competent quarterback was playing for the Rams, it would be an easy win. Um, but whatever. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. If Jahan or if they had Dobbs on oh, in their backfield as passing, they would produce, they would win. <laughs> that guy has been crazy. Yeah, he has been. Uh, but going back, to the, going back to the Packers, they're invest uh, rather heavily in the 24-year-olds in terms of drafting. Yep. And they've made it clear they still have a lot of evaluation to do. But if they fall out of it, which they will soon, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Christian Watson, a, what an L, man. There's at least an element of unknown worth exploring with rookie fifth-rounder Sean Clifford, who was a consistent four-year starter at Penn State. I think they should start looking at him for sure. Um, Big red so the Packers, They're just not a good team right now. And uh, next up, the Minnesota Vikings. Let's get it. I think, I think Daniel – my prediction is Daniel Hunter will break the single-season sack record. Uh, he has 10 sacks through oh, eight yeah. games, putting him on pace to fall just short of the record shared by Michael Strahan and T.J. Watt. 22 and a half, but the key is he's had at least a sack in every game, but one. So this isn't some fluke inflated by like one mega game with like six sacks or something. Um, you know, um, no, also, he's consistent and he's, you know, he's, he's him, but I, yeah. I gotta say that the Vikings are great at their defense and they've definitely kind of contributed to a more controlled and more, I guess, even split defense where they protect the pass and the rush, but they seem to forget, um, they're basically they're Kryptonado's pass rushers. Yeah. Like guarding pass um, rushers is always so difficult for them. On top of all of that, his next five games come against teams that ranked in the, that rank in the bottom twelve in the NFL in terms of sacks allowed. So this it's is just uh, this is happening for a guy in his prime that's hungry for a new big contract. Oh yeah. Next up, let's uh transition to Wait, the what about Jets? What you think he's going to be any relevant with Dobbs passing them or, or having anything? Obviously, he's not going to be elite, but he'll still be a tight or a wide receiver one. He's going to be elite. As soon as he's back, he's elite. It's Jettas. I mean, yeah, it's Jettas. It's Jettas. You just think, like, the, the thing is, the thing is, like, Dobbs, bro. You think he's him? I think he's him based off his no, fantasy. Bro, no, I'm not saying him. Dobbs, Dobbs literally, like, five days after getting traded from the Cardinals across the country, he didn't know the, his teammates' names. He didn't know the playbook. He didn't know anything. Hmm. He calls out Sounds a lot Baker. like the guy I know. Baker Mayfield. Yes, <laughs> All right, now let's uh, transition to <laughs> NFC South. Starting All right. The Atlanta Falcons. I, my prediction is Taylor Heineke will start for the rest of the season. They gave <sighs> the Ritter eight starts, and the results just weren't there. You can't really commit much more time to a middle-round draft pick. Uh, he wasn't supposed to become an NFL starter, so move on. Now Heineke has had some nice moments in general and is capable of keeping this team competitive in a weak division. Uh, so watch him to keep the gig before Atlanta regroups in the offseason, maybe with him, maybe without that prediction for the Falcons. I mean, 
they're not a playoff team. There's not much else to talk about with them. Besides I mean, I mean, I really, I really got to do some digging in the reason of why Bichon has been absolute fucking non-existent. I mean, we all seen and we all know what this guy can can do, especially on the college field. Yeah, he has shown you can do it on the NFL field, breaking fucking people's lives, souls, ankles, whatever you want to call it. Fuck, man, that guy is talented, and I stand by him. But I don't know, something's up. Is he injured, or is he just not being used? Like, or they're saving him? I just don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe they're just they're just reversing top defenses. But I don't know, like. He's kind of matchup proof. Like I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. I need to look look into that. Let's uh, let's transition to the Carolina Panthers. Um, the, I think you would consider this a bold prediction. I think ultimately Bryce Young uh, will be a better quarterback in the NFL than C.J. Stroud. Nah, not even yeah. close. Not yeah, even I close, mean, bro. That it, that is. Easy, it's, it's easy to say bro. Stroud. It's easy to say Stroud because of what we're seeing right now. But I think bro. all said and done, Bryce Young will be. He better. just broke records as a rookie a rookie record that pat mahomes once had that i understand but 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 i think over the long term bryce young will have a better career i i simply disagree i actually think he's a bust no he's far from a bust okay okay a a bust is a stretch but like he just needs time to develop i i agree with that but i do think cj stroud is that guy that the Texas needed when they drafted, you know, the <laughs> Deshaun Watson, which Deshaun Watson still has that potential. He he's still him. He still has guys like Amari Cooper who can be his De- DeAndre Hopkins, you know. So he could still find it at the end of the season, and the Browns can carry away with it. CJ Stroud, on the other hand, is remarkable. He's thrown only one interception. Look how many passing yards he's thrown. Look at the teams he's versed. Listen, he's great. Look at the team he has. Rookies. Bryce Young is going to be better. I, how? What's your reasoning? I, I need to know this. Like, the folks must know because that's – how do you argue with that? It, it's – a lot of it is feeling. I just think – I just think Bryce Young the is – The <laughs> He might – like, you know, I think C.J. Stroud was more ready for the NFL now, but I think – like Bryce Young is going to take some time for him to develop more and he's going to improve. And I think he's going to be better than Stroud overall. 470 yards, five touchdowns in one game. Yards, comeback. How many yards did CJ Stroud uh, throw for? 470. Oh, you mean the season currently? No, 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 no. Okay, 470. Okay, so he threw for yeah. 470 yards and five touchdowns. And you're saying, oh, look at that. Like he's going he's gonna to have a long career. And I'm not saying he's not, but – there have been instances where someone, let's say, like in the, like let's say a MLB That's rookie, a record. no, let's say like a, a rookie in the MLB throws a no hitter, or look at Domingo, right, Herman, right, right. Her, Domingo Herman throwing a perfect game. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's going to be sustainable for years to come, just because they yeah, did it once. So it's I'm been proved. Saying, like this, this I'm solidified CJ Stroud's Bryce Young start will be better than CJ Stroud when it's all said and done, long term. What what podcast is this? What number is this? I'm gonna remember and I'm gonna say it and I'm gonna <laughs> roll that Bryce Young will be better than CJ Stroud, and I'm gonna look like a genius for saying this when I said it. How? You're I just I see. don't see it. You're gonna see. That's enough he's on the strictly, He's strictly is, passing to his his, enough his slot receiver. Let's transition to the New Orleans Saints. We got more to talk about. 
he got to explain that later. Because <laughs> I'm yeah, just yeah. I don't know. With the, with the Saints, funny. with the Saints, my prediction is the season comes down to week 18 against the Atlanta Falcons. And there's Hell. a very good chance that entering that game, both teams lack winning records. It just seems that neither has the ability to pull away from the pack in the NFC South, which could also easily still go to the Buccaneers. I mean, you just never know. This is a kind of a dumpster Baker fire, Baker. wild card of a division. Um, this isn't sexy by any means. So I'll also throw in that New Orleans head coach Dennis Allen's job will be on the line in that do-or-die finale week 18 against the Falcons. Um, Actually, I have something cool to add. Uh, the, uh, how do you call it? The Buccaneers offense really has sort of figured out in the last few weeks how to really utilize Rashad White's upside in terms of the, the catching aspect, the receiving aspect, and the yards that he can put after catch. He's been outstanding. He's been an automatic RB1 start the last two or three weeks easily he's he's been very good like that that running back is single-handedly almost just like maintaining their ability to stay in the mix but what an unfortunate loss by the books you know losing to <laughs> cj Stroud. my god cj Stroud. yeah let's uh let's talk about the buccaneers now my prediction is that kyle trask will get some starts baker mayfield has been good don't get me wrong and you know, if you're Fantastic. a listener of this, if you're a listener of the Sean Sports Talk podcast, you know that I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan, especially after what he did last season. Um, oh yeah, but I don't think he's like the long term guy for the Buccaneers, and they've Agreed. won. They've won only one game since mid September. Um, as soon as they fall out of contention, and possibly even sooner, the Buccaneers would probably be smart to get a look at Trask, you know, at QB, just to see what they're dealing with entering the 2024 offseason. So um, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, they have a very talented tight end. They got a very inefficient running back, but with a catching upside that has a huge ceiling. Uh, wide receivers are consistent. You know, Godwin's always been above, what is that, 1,000-yard season every single season he's played. Uh, and Evans has been him. You know, he's been getting injured, but he's him. It's, I guess it comes down to either defense the, the, on the line or uh, – I guess Baker, a new QB, QB2, QB3. Uh, yeah. Um, what now you, what you think about that? Let's uh, switch over to the final division, the NFC mm. West. Starting oh. off with the Arizona Cardinals. I think they land the mm. top pick in the draft yet again. Sure, Kyler <laughs> Murray is you know on his way back, but who does he have around him? Pretty much nothing. Uh, so what about the Giants? Plus, he's going to be rusty on top of that. Um, <laughs> and they have to know that they're better off losing than winning by now at this point. Yeah, but they, but, but they have Connor coming back. No, bro. They haven't. They have not come close to a win since October started. And their schedule is getting pretty challenging from here on yeah. out to the finish line. I agree. Very they, should hard, just, yeah. they should just lose. Let's talk about the Rams. You're saying, you're saying they should just tank? Yeah, just tank. Just tank. For yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's talk mm-hmm. about the Rams now. As much as I hate to say it, I think Kukunakua is going to slow down quite a bit. Um, yep, and it's mostly just because of like the workload and the injuries. I mean, he's battling with he's battling injuries, and obviously Matthew Stafford is injured and always kind of dealing with injuries too. So because of you that, said it right and, there, and not anything else without Matthew Stafford. Yeah, so that's sad, man. Fuck. Yeah, Cup's going to be a low end wide receiver too, high end wide receiver too. Yeah. With anyone else, 
because he could just win, just throw fucking anything out of the hat and just catch like forty yard receiving <laughs> touchdown pass. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the Niners now. It's I so think, sad. Um, I think Brock Purdy will blow their Super Bowl chances. Um, <laughs> hate to say it, not really though, but I'm not convinced on the fucking Niners, Mister Irrelevant, seventh round pick. Uh, he was more than a caretaker when things were going well last year, but he's far from a true carry them on your back kind of guy as well. Um, on the flip side, now he's suddenly making a lot of mistakes while quarterbacking an offense that has scored 17 points in three straight games. So I don't trust Purdy I, at all. I honestly, they need a better quarterback if they want to win a Super Bowl. I mean, I honestly think it's a confidence issue at this point. I, th- I think he does have it in him, not to the extent of like a Stroud, or a Mahomes, or an Allen, or you know all those big guys, but a Stafford. I, exactly, I Stafford is remarkable, dude. If I if I Duke was on the Rams, bro, and Stafford was healthy, <laughs> that guy is so talented. I mean, that guy is helping out the team alone. I mean, that entire offense is just a quick ticket to the end zone, to the house. Like all you gotta do is give him a short pass, and then you got CMC running for 80 yards down the down the sideline. You got Debo Samuel catching in traffic and just somehow wiggling his way down like 45, 70 yards, whatever it was, down to to the house. Like that's how they've been scoring points. Yeah, let's uh let's transition to the Seattle Seahawks now. The last and least sea chickens. Yep. So I think they blow the division and have to really fight to make the playoffs. This is simply a good, not great team. It's just a mediocre, mid-ass team with a quarterback in Geno Smith that nobody really believes in. Um, probably not Sad. even his own coach in Pete Carroll. I mean, they haven't really beaten anyone good or great outside of a somewhat weird overtime win in Detroit. I mean, that was a weird game. Yeah. Uh, but get this, they still have to travel to Baltimore, Dallas, and San, Fr- San Francisco. And on top of that, they have to host the 49ers and Eagles between now and mid-December. That is a recipe for disaster and a losing season, and I don't think they make the playoffs. Well, they lose to the Cowboys because they can't run. So uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> so we're going to see a lot more from, I guess, his favorite target of Tyler Lockett. You know, the, the rookies, by the way, have been producing. You got JSN, you got Bola that's been seeking a lot of targets recently. Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet in the backfield is probably going to take over a little bit more coming down the line with, uh, Kenneth Walker, possibly. Jake Bobo. And you yeah. got Jake Bobo, too. Yeah, I'm telling you. Jake Bobo with JSM. Telling the you. UCLA guys. I, but let's not forget about Strong Hangs, Big Man Debo. Or it's Debo. I'm saying Debo. DK Metcalf. <laughs> DK Metcalf, baby. DK Metcalf. He's still in. 100%. 100%. So well, uh, that segment went a little bit longer than I would have liked, but it's okay. It's all good. So we're at uh, 54 minutes and 50 seconds right now of the show. How are we feeling? Feeling good. Feeling good. Well, football. Ready to talk about some baseball now? Talk about baseball, hockey, whatever you want. I'll even baseball, mention some swimming with you after. So uh, <laughs> the, Toronto, the Toronto Blue Jays announced that they and all-star second baseman and outfielder Whit Merrifield declined their mutual $18 million option for the 2024 season. I'm dead. That, that decision means the 34-year-old Merrifield will become a free agent this season on the heels of another strong season. Merrifield is a three-time all-star. He spent the first uh, six-plus seasons of his career with the Kansas City Royals before getting traded to the Blue Jays in 2022. 
2023, Merrifield appeared in 145 games for the Jays and had a 272 batting average with 11 home runs, 67 RBIs, 66 runs scored, and 26 stolen bases. He Great also season. continued to showcase his valuable defensive versatility, making 84 appearances at second base and 84 in the outfield as well. Uh, he was 27 years old when he made his major league debut with the Royals in 2016, but he managed to go from a minor league journeyman to a multi-time MLB All-Star. Uh, during his time in Kansas City, Merrifield led the American League in stolen bases in 2017, 2018, and 2021 with 34, 45, and 40. He also wow. led the American League in hits in 2018 and 2019 with 192 and 206. And he led the American League with 10 triples in 2019 and with 42 doubles in 2021. So he is a great all-around ball player. Um, on top of that, he didn't miss a single game from 2019 through 2021, making him one of the most reliable and durable players in baseball. Um, his consistency wavered a bit in 2022 as he hit only 240 with six homers, 42 RBIs, 51 runs scored, and 15 steals in 95 games for the Royals before getting traded to Toronto. Uh, he closed 2022 on a high note by hitting 281 in 44 games with the Jays, and he parlayed that into a true return to form in, in 2023, resulting in his third career All-Star selection. Uh, for his career, he's a 284 hitter with 90 homers, 470 RBIs, 588 runs scored, and 201 stolen bases. I'm sure he will be a popular target in free agency. Um, you know, he's a strong it's contact it's hitter. Crazy. He's so reliable. He can thrive at the top or bottom of any lineup. Uh, plus, he's something of a utility player who can give his next manager no shortage of options on a day-to-day -day oh, yeah. basis. So um, I'll be interested to see where he um, ends up. I don't think the Dodgers really have a need for a guy like this. I mean, we got Chris Taylor. No, we got CT3. Uh, we yeah. can bring back one of or even both of uh, Kike Hernandez and Ahmed Rosario. We yeah. got Gavin Lux coming back. We can, we can oh. bring back Miguel Rojas if we want to. Uh, we got Muncie at third. Mookie can play second if need be. So to I don't be honest, think we really need Whit Merrifield. To be honest, I feel like I feel like we would make make use of uh, another third baseman unless we go for Otani. If we get Otani, we get a designated hitter. Then we keep Muncy at third base and we keep cooking. Yeah, for um, for the season and then choke in the postseason. But yeah. at least have, give Otani the chance to play in the postseason. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Marcus. Marcus Stroman declined his uh, $21 million player option. Somewhat of a surprise, actually, because wow. he kind of was getting lit up after he came back from injury. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, he wants to – I think he'll get a nice contract from a team that he's starting pitching. I mean – He deserves it. Yeah, he for sure deserves it. He earned it. He's a scion caliber pitcher, no, let's no doubt. About, let's talk about the Cleveland Guardians hiring their new manager. The Cleveland Guardians hired Stephen Vogt their next manager after Terry Francona stepped down at the end of the 2023 MLB season. Um, soon after Cleveland wrapped up a disappointing 76 and 86 season, Francona announced he was stepping down after 11 years. The 64 year old didn't officially use the word retired as part of his announcement to leave the door open for a possible return to the dugout in the future. Francona's decision had been hinted at for weeks leading up to the end of the season. He began talking about it publicly in August saying he wanted to be fair to the organization and players in being able to give them the full attention they deserve. Replacing Frank Cody in Cleveland won't be an easy task for anyone. He's the franchise's all-time leader in wins with 921, led the team to six playoff appearances, four American League Central Division titles, and was named American League Manager of the Year three times, 2013, 2016, and 2022. Despite the team's struggles in 2023, there is a foundation of talent in place for the Guardians to be a competitive team next season. 
obviously at the top it starts with Jose Ramirez, who's a five-time All-Star and has posted three consecutive 2020 seasons. Josh Naylor. You got Tristan McKenzie. Josh Naylor, in my opinion, the most underrated player in baseball, had his best season with a 308 batting average. Rookie catcher, his brother, Bo Naylor, overcame a slow start to hit 237 in 67 games. Uh, the rotation has an excellent young trio with Tanner, Bibby, Logan Allen, and Gavin Williams, alongside oh, yeah. a full season from Tris- Tristan McKenzie. Uh, that would give them four high-quality starters. And you still have Shane Bieber's future with the team unclear, coming off an injury plague 2023, going into his final year of arbitration. If the Guardians can add more power to their lineup with one or two notable moves in the offseason, they should be able to compete with the Minnesota Twins and ascending Detroit Tigers in what has been a soft division for a number of years. Um, Stephen Oak will be tasked with putting all the pieces together on the field for Cleveland. The 39-year-old had a 10-year playing career with six different teams, highlighted by his first run with the Oakland Athletics when he was named an All-Star in 2015 and 2016. Following his retirement as a player <laughs> after the 2022 season, Volk was hired as the bullpen coach for the Seattle Mariners. He quickly emerged as a managerial candidate when, the inter- when he interviewed with the Giants before they decided to hire Bob Melvin. This will be the first managerial job for Volk, but his reputation as a player and coach suggests he will have a smooth transition into his new role. Seems like a solid candidate that the Guardians uh, got. I mean, obviously he has big shoes to fill with the departure of um, the Hall of Famer Terry Francona. But I think this is a good pickup for the Guardians, personally. Dude, you said a lot. Yeah. How many take, How many breaths you take? I thought Dude. you were gonna like pass out. <laughs> I took zero. I just took a deep one though. But um, no, let's but talk yeah, about the Mets. They got a nasty lineup. Dude, the Mets. I was just saying the Guardians. They got a nasty lineup. Oh, I don't know. So, they need to pick someone up though. In, in terms of yeah, that. They, they need they need a power bat. They need like a yep. You know, who yep. they need? you know who they need? Jorge Soler, who, by the way, oh declines. I would, dude, I would love Soler on the Dodgers. I would love Soler. What about what's his face on the White Sox? Um, fucking Christ, that could that played for the at the home run derby. Luis the Robert. Luis Robert. Yeah, Luis Robert, bro. That would be huge. By the way, apparently the White Sox uh, are telling teams that Dylan Cease is available for, for trade. Ooh, Dodgers, open yeah. your doors, open your ears. All right, so no, here's some, here's some breaking news. Here's some breaking news. Uh, Mike Schilt is seen by many as the favorite for Padres' managing, managing job. Other candidates include Ryan Flaherty, Benji Gill, and Phil Nevin. Decision possible by the end of the week. Mendoza interviewed there before taking the Mets job, who we will talk about now. Um, so let's talk about Mendoza. Let's talk about Mendoza. <laughs> The New York Mets are hiring Carlos Mendoza to be their next manager, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN. Milwaukee Brewers manager Craig Council was linked with the Mets during their search. Um, Passan reported momentum is building toward Council's departure from Milwaukee, but he won't be landing in New York. Mendoza will take over a Mets team that just finished a disappointing 75-87 and season, which resulted in a fourth-place finish in the NL East. New York went 101 and 61 with a playoff appearance the year before and entered 2023 with great expectations and championship aspirations, especially with the signings of Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who ended up on polar opposite teams in the <laughs> Texas Rangers and Houston Astros. But what a W move! Yeah, um, long time, <laughs> long time MLB manager Buck Showalter, who took over for the Mets in 2022, was fired after just two seasons as the team began changing leadership. Former Milwaukee Brewers manager David Stearns took over as the Mets president of baseball operations and ex-Mets GM Billy Epler 
later step down. Mendoza certainly has talent to work with to compete next season, but there are serious questions about depth that Stearns must address. For now, Mets slugger Pete Alonso remains a member of the team, although he is eligible for free agency after the 2024 season. Alonso is obviously the Mets' top power source, hitting 46 homers and 118 RBIs. Shortstop Francisco Lindor with 31 homers and outfielder Brandon Nimbo, who had an 829 OPS, also helped fortify the lineup. And rookie catcher Francisco Alvarez, who had 25 home runs, looks like he'll be a mainstay in the batting order for quite some time. However, there isn't much depth outside the top four. Jeff McNeil excelled in 2022 with an MLB high 326 batting average, 836 OPS, but he did not find as much success in 2023, hitting only 270. Brett Beatty had a 598 OPS, and Mark Vientos, 620 OPS, didn't fare particularly well. The Mets as a team hit just 238, the second worst batting average in the National League. Of course, hmm. that latter trio can improve in 2024, but the Mets still have a lot of work to do. On the mound, obviously, Kodai Senga emerged as a bona fide staff ace. After arriving from Nippon Professional Baseball's Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks, going 12 and 7 with a 2.98 ERA and 202 strikeouts. However, the rest of the rotation is up for debate, especially after again they traded Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Um, they finished ninth in the National League in ERA. Sanga and Jose Quintana are the only two Mets starters under contract for 2024. The Mets, though, they will get back Edwin Diaz. Uh, the star closer who missed all of last season with a patellar tendon injury suffered during a post-game celebration at the World Baseball Classic. But <laughs> there's question marks regarding the rest of the bullpen, especially after last year's top reliever, David Robertson, got sent to the Miami Marlins at the deadline. All in all, this is still a tough job for any manager. The Mets are a snake-bitten franchise that's cursed. They have not won a World Series since 1986 with its fair share of disappointments and dramatic defeats over the years. It doesn't help that any manager or coach in New York is under a massive spotlight in the United States' biggest media market, one that doesn't show much patience for any big sports personality. So we'll find out very soon how Mendoza handles everything as he tries to turn the Mets around. His first test will come on Thursday, March 28th, when his team hosts the Milwaukee Brewers. The 43-year-old played minor league ball for 13 seasons before joining the Staten Island Yankees as a coach in 2009. He then coached the Charleston River Dogs for one year before becoming the manager of the Gulf Coast League Yankees in 2011. Mendoza then managed the River Dogs for one season before earning a job as a roving defensive instructor within the Yankee organization. Mendoza got the call up to the Bigs in 2018, serving as the team's infield coach under manager Aaron Boone. He became the Yankees bench coach after the 2019 season and served in that capacity until now. The Mets interviewed Mendoza over the phone before conducting an in-person interview with him on Wednesday. November 1st per SNY. In the end, Mendoza won the job um, despite interest uh, in, uh, despite the Guardians also having interest in him to become the Mets' 24th manager in franchise history. So what do you think of this guy? You think he'll uh, be legit or Mets are going to met? The Mets are going to met, dude. And they're like yeah. the Clippers are going to with their big-ass new trade, too. I mean, like, that's not going to stop him from losing. Like, let's be real. And plus, the Lakers, even though he didn't start, the Lakers finally, I mean, they fucking owned us. Clippers owned us. But the Lakers finally beat the Clippers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a game. Uh, are, are you calling the Clippers uh, the Mets of the NBA and vice versa? 100%. No, there's no doubt. I mean, Clippers going to quit. Mets going to met. You know, yes, I was I was on the NFL. I mean, like what the the Bears are gonna Bears. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. maybe football is different though. You know, football is just eventually one team just finds it with with the right coach, the right everything. It'll it'll happen again eventually for the Bears. But this just in Chargers beat 
the Jets That's old news. But anyway, let's Allen, big touchdown pass. Or, we, we got arguably touchdown. the biggest baseball story of the day. Absolutely massive news. Yes. The Chicago Cubs responded to their September collapse by firing Ooh. David Ross and hiring former Brewers manager Craig Council. The move was first reported by The Athletic and ESPN. Rosen, Ken Rosenthal reported that the Cubs gave Council a five-year deal worth more than $40 million. The deal will make Council the highest-paid manager in, in MLB history. Uh, Meister Sports Council's agency confirmed his client will be the highest-paid manager in the league. Crazy. Uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today reported the Brewers offered Council about half as much money as the Cubs. So the Cubs really decided to spend on uh, getting the right manager for the job. Rightfully yeah, so. Just to tell the players to do their thing. Yeah, I no, mean, council, council <laughs> is in high demand as the Brewers, New York Mets, and Cleveland Guardians all had interest in it. And I'm sure the San Diego Padres right. would have approached them as well if given the opportunity. Um, the 53-year-old. What do you think, what, what do you think yeah. about um, Dodgers and giving up our steam manager? And what do you think he would go for, like on the market? Oh, he'd be he, a top dog. He'd probably yeah, get he would be a top dog. Fun. I mean, look, he hasn't had a single – he hasn't even been close to having a losing losing season in almost 10 years with the team. I mean, he came, his first season was 2016. Um, so, look, 2016 Dodgers lost in the NLCS. Of the, they right. uh, lose the World Series to the cheating Houston Astros. 2018, it was <laughs> not the best team. They had to play a game 163 tiebreaker against the Rockies. Uh, they claw their way back to the World Series but get overpowered by an insane Red Sox team. 2019, they went over 100 games oh, right. looking like an insane team, but they choke in the first round to the eventual World Series champion, Washington Nationals. 2020, <laughs> obviously, the year they finally do it in the shortened 60-game season. Still a, a real championship, and it might even be harder. It might have been even harder to win in 2020 than any other year because of no fans, essentially. Uh, so the Dodgers finally win the World Series. 2021, 2021, they have an insane team, but they get fucked by injuries to Muncie and then Scherzer in the playoffs and lose to the eventual there- World Series champion yet again, Atlanta Braves. And uh, 2022, they just choke in a horrible fashion. This, Out of all the years, this is probably the worst one. It's, the it's 100% the, the worst. Hands and then, down. obviously, 2023, this past season, again, they choked against the D-backs, no doubt. But I had no expectations for this team and all the rookies and injuries. So, you look, you look at all those seasons and none of them – was even remotely close to even being at 500, um, you know, and, and all the playoff wins and all the playoff success. I mean, despite what people love to say and the narrative of the Dodgers choking, look at how many times they consistently make the playoffs year in and year out, every single year with Dave Roberts, with Andrew Friedman. They win, they, they win in this regular season. People love playing there. Uh, they win playoff games. They have three World Series appearance. I mean, look, for all the Astros' supposed postseason success, um, they have one real world series and so do the Dodgers. So here's the thing. Uh, what people always look for, and it's very unfortunate is just rings or champs. Yeah. And it's such horseshit that you can, you can be so good, but yet close, but yet so far in this type of realm and still not be acclaimed a great organization. Like the Dodgers is one of the great, one of the greatest organizations we got out there. I mean, like what Yankees got their bullshit 27 rings that they got like a millennia ago. So like, you know, you got that. Yeah. But the thing is, everyone knows that the Yankees are a joke of an organization at the present moment. Yet they have the highest payroll besides the low Mets. Well, because uh, they're the Yankees. They're the high, they're in the biggest market. New York is the biggest market in the United States. I mean, it's true, especially since, I mean, Boston's in there too. 
the East Coast is just it's yeah. up there. But, um, for but going, for going back to uh, Craig Council, the 53-year-old compiled a record sure. of 707 and 625. During a nine-year run in Milwaukee, the Brewers reached the postseason in five of the past six seasons, advancing to the NLCS where they lost in seven games to the Dodgers in 2018. Yes, sir. He will now take over a team that will try to dethrone the Brewers in the NL Central. So the Cubs pried him away from a division rival pretty crazy with $40 million. Uh, while Chicago outperformed expectations with an 83 and, with an 83 and 79 record, a disappointing end to the season cost them, cost them a playoff spot. Uh, plenty of blame fell on David Ross's shoulders, and fans grew frustrated with his decision-making as the season progressed. Still, he will always have an important part of Cubs history, even with his failed tenure as manager, thanks to his role as a veteran leader on the 2016 team that won the World Series and snapped a drought that dated back to the 1908 season. That was Ross's final season of a playing career that also included stops with the Los Angeles Dodgers, Pittsburgh Pirates, San Diego Padres, Cincinnati Reds, Boston Red Sox, and Atlanta Braves. I guess you could say David Ross is an immaculate grid legend similar to that of Dick Mountain. It seems <laughs> like something of a, of a ceremonious hire when Chicago brought him aboard as manager ahead of the shortened 2020 season. The team went a combined 145 and 179 in his first two full seasons in 2021 and 2022. Great. And there weren't a ton of expectations in 2023, even though there, there remained some hope that the team would take a step forward and potentially set the stage for a playoff run in 2024. Chicago got off to a slow start but caught fire in the middle of the season and seemed like a lock for the playoffs at times in September, and then they collapsed. Um, a stretch of 14 losses in 20 games and eight one-run losses in September. Man, eight one-run losses in September um, meant the final game didn't even matter in the standings for the Cubs. They were already eliminated by the playoff-bound Miami Marlins, and the front office decided it was time to move on from the manager. Quote, we're in this together, Ross said, when accepting blame for the swoon. I wouldn't separate myself from any player, from office, coach. Um, if we don't get to where we want to get to, I'm the head of the team. I'm the manager of this team. The blame should come on me first. Um, every decision is magnified in those one-run losses, especially for a team that was talented enough to make the playoffs. Chicago finished the season with a run differential of plus 96, which was the best in the National League Central and far ahead of the Miami Marlins mark of negative 57 so only in baseball can you have a team at uh, plus 96 run differential miss the playoffs and a team with a minus 57 run differential make the playoffs um, <laughs> had david ross been even a slightly bit better he could have parlayed the talent that was responsible for that run uh, differential into more wins and a playoff spot and still had his job however questionable bunts lineup construction and bullpen usage proved costly a number of times throughout the season and ultimately cost david ross his job as manager of the Chicago Cubs. But they got their guy in correct counsel. That should be fun to watch with his uh, managerial prowess, uh, you know, with the Cubs. But who knows? Will Cody Bellinger resign with the Cubs? Will Marcus Stroman resign with the Cubs? Bro, I hope Cody Bellinger does. I, f I feel like that's the team for him. I mean, he's found it there. He proved it. He showed it. He's back. He's batting over 300 or around that realm, and he was truly electric and woke up the entire team single-handedly on the hitting side, of course. So, what do you think? Hello? Hello. Welcome to... All right now. Yo.
Lost some service, huh? Hello? Huh. Well, uh, I guess I'll close it up. Phone might have died something. Experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties, but uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about closing the meeting. I feel like we've had a pretty bad conversation. What do you guys think? It's like a vlog out here. Now then, but we're considering doing this more often so uh, we'll see what we can uh, come up with later in the future but there will 100% be uh, far more football than anything else and uh, with baseball already over you know there is not much to talk about in baseball in the coming weeks months following episodes but uh be a lot more hockey basketball basketball is running up we got fantasy working we got uh uh, some hot takes in the future, and uh, yeah. So, thank you guys all for listening, and uh, catch you guys on the next one.